the chains that were holding us back into this monotonous pattern uh, that we have become accustomed to over the past 10 years. If you don't know, we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary of New Heights. 10 years ago, uh, last month, uh, was it September, that we, we started New Heights uh, on this campus, and uh, I was here at the beginning. I was one of our first uh, worship participants with Daryl and his wife, Stacy, and um, and then uh, I wised up and, and discovered that I couldn't sing um, and instead went to seminary and came back as a pastor. And, and so we've been doing this kind of uh, act, if you will, for 10 years and, and decided we needed a new chapter. And we really felt convicted by God that we had fallen into the same pattern that we had criticized 10 years ago. One of the biggest movements to come out of the contemporary church, one of the biggest ideas was that people have fallen into a pattern of worship so much so that they no longer worship. Does that make sense? When I grew up in the Episcopal church, and I've said that many times, and you know, when, when, I, when I grew up going to church, to the Episcopal church, you'd go in, you'd, you'd go into the church, and a lot of the tr- churches I went to, they'd have the, the hymn board. You know what I'm talking about? The little board on either side of of the uh, of the church and in there it had the numbers of the hymns that you would be singing for for that Sunday morning and then you get your bulletin and and really what I would do is is I would open the bulletin and I would begin to mark the pages in the uh in the book of worship where I needed to go and where and then I would just wait for the priest to say okay now let's sing hymn 332 oh, I'm right there look at that you know look at my sister and go how come you're not there yet um because you don't believe, no. Uh, and, you know, so I, I, I would fall into this, and I think as adults we do it too, you know, in this liturgical pattern of the liturgy, of the traditional services, does it mean anything when you just say it and don't feel it? So that was the, the kind of the movement for the contemporary church. Let's break free from this traditional sense that, that no longer means anything to God because we're just doing something as opposed to believing and being a part of something. And so let's do this contemporary stuff that's going to be different and change and you'll be more emotional and you'll bring in drums. <gasps> you know, that was a big leap for some people. And, and you'll do all these things. And, and so what happened to the contemporary movement? Well, we fell into the same pattern that we once criticized. I mean, pretty much you could set your clock by what would happen in a New Heights service. You'd get here, there'd be a song, there'd be a welcome, turn and greet your friend, there'd be a couple of announcements, there'd be a few more songs, there'd be a transition, there'd be a sermon, and then you'd go home. And because y'all are 11 o'clock people, you'd put your chairs up on the way out. It got to a point where, I don't know if it was true for you, but it was for us that we were missing God moving. Because we fell into the trap of just doing instead of being. And so we wanted to to remind ourselves that worship isn't just about Sunday morning, that worship isn't just coming here for an hour on Sunday morning, singing a few songs, being entertained for a little bit or not, and then going home. So we came up with the W5 project. I think truly that it was God working through us, through Daryl, who I think first threw out the idea, and through the rest of us who kind of shaped it into what it became, But for those of you who haven't been here and have no idea what I'm speaking about, the W5 Project was this summer what we did is we worshipped five different ways, hence W5. We worshipped through community, which was today's event. 
and the communal aspect of it was the, the attempt at coming together as the body of Christ. Truly, if we are believers in the body of Christ, then each person that is next to you is your brother or your sister. And yet, how many of these people do you know? Even their names. Much less where they are in life. What's going on in their life. And so we wanted to take time to take a Sunday to say, hey, look at the person you sit next to all the time and introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Michael. Everybody knows my name. I say it every Sunday. But I don't know all of your names. And through these Community Sundays, it's been amazing to hear your name and to hear some of your stories and to get to know some of you on a different level, one that I never would have been able to had we stayed doing the same things. It's always the Harris kids, isn't it? Just kidding. I know their names. That's Jaden and Hudson. Just kidding. <laughs> And so that was a community Sunday, and, and, and we were doing it at the Foundry and, and um, off campus, which is our coffee shop on McCullough. If you've never been there, go there. It really is awesome. We have great lunch now. Um, but <clears throat> this message is brought to you by the good people at the Foundry. Um, it was great getting to know people on a different level, not in the confine, because maybe it's a, a little hard to come into church where you have to put on a front. Ross King is, uh, he said, one time that he believes that the church is the most dishonest building in any given block on a Sunday morning. And the first time I heard him say that, I got kind of mad at him. And uh, I wanted to fight him because he's little and I knew I could take him. Um, But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, actually really kind of it is. Because you come here and people say, how are you doing? But they don't really necessarily want to know. You got to put on your Sunday best, not just clothes, but attitude. So that community Sunday was a time to get to the raw essence of the body of Christ. And so the second one was teaching Sunday and it was uh, geared towards a couple of songs of worship and then me talking the rest of the time, maybe getting a little deeper into some scripture. I, I walked through Philippians four uh, a few times. Um, I think I only did maybe three, three or four verses in Philippians four. I looked at the Greek, I looked at some Hebrew and, and we, we went deeper into the the background, it's like a VH1 behind the music um, of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, and we look deeper into it. Um, so that was one because teaching, learning more, getting into the text is an important part of the body of being a part of the body of Christ, being a believer in Jesus Christ. Ray Vanderlyn was once challenged by a Jewish rabbi where he was uh, he was in school in Jerusalem. And a, a rabbi said, how do you How can you say you believe in Jesus Christ if you are not constantly in his word? If you're not over and over again reading the gospels, if you're not over and over again discovering new truths of what the living word of God has to say. This is a guy who doesn't even believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah saying this to a Christian. How can you claim this if you don't know it? And so that was part of the the teaching experience was to get deeper into the word where, I mean, how many of you really study Greek or Hebrew? Yeah. Like one, he's in seminary, so he has to, you know, and I bet Rob Grimes, I know you do. You're that kind of guy, but not many of us do. We don't take the time to do that because it's Greek. It's all Greek to me. You know, Chris Akopoulos, you are Greek. You should be able to speak this stuff. 
So that was part of the teaching Sunday. Then the next Sunday was corporate worship. And corporate worship was the idea that, you know, three songs of worshiping, sometimes it takes a little bit longer experience to become involved in the presence of the Spirit through worship, through these, the, the music. And we did a silence uh, Sunday not too long ago that we got a lot of feedback from just being silent in a world that is completely bombarding us with information at all times, sometimes just being silent and allowing God to speak is a huge hurdle for us. But it's so wonderful when it occurs. If you remember, the first uh, corporate worship Sunday was Dayenu, uh, that Hebraic prayer ritual of, God, if you had just done this, it would have been enough. If you were here... Um, like not at your usual time, but at 11 o'clock when uh, we started the worship service, you would have heard uh, the first song, and that was called Dayenu, and that was, uh, Daryl wrote that right after that Sunday. Was it that night that you wrote it? Um, pretty much that night or the next day, he went home after he did this teaching on Dayenu and, and wrote this that song. If you would have just brought the sun up today, God, it would have been enough, but you didn't stop there. You filled me with breath. If you would have just done that, it would have been enough. But that's not where you left it. Just kind of a different form of prayer and and worship. So that was a corporate worship Sunday, coming together as the body of Christ and celebrating and praising God. The next Sunday was uh, the service Sunday. And the service Sunday, uh, also a controversial Sunday as the community service uh, Sunday was. Uh, we were, we don't, we're not on campus. We'd go somewhere to the, uh, KIPP University Preparatory. Is that, did I, okay, I always call it the wrong thing, but the KIPP school. And, and we were going there helping them start. Uh, we went down to Blueprint Ministries. Two weeks ago was our service Sunday. How many of you were, raise your hand if you were there. Two weeks ago? No, you weren't. It was me and Carrie and Joel and Anna. There's four of us. Why? Because it was a monsoon. We understand. We tried to get 281 over here, and it was underwater. Um, but we built an ark, and we floated down, and we painted. Uh, it was great. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a little tough that, that Sunday, but that, that's okay. Um, but we went down to Blueprint Ministries and, and did some work down there. And um, The service Sunday is the, what we have been talking about on this campus, not just here but over there, for the past few years. Um, we shouldn't be internally focused all the time. In fact, we should be externally focused so much more than we are internally focused. And that means getting out of the campus, getting out of this room on Sunday morning, getting into the world and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So we will continue uh, to do service Sunday, and I'll talk about that in a second. And then the last one was Classic New Heights, is what we called it. Or Classic Coke, when they came out with the new Coke and and then everybody goes, this is horrible. This is just, this is like Pepsi. And so they brought classic Coke back um, and, you know, made those of us that drink that happy. Sorry, Pepsi fans, you're all communists. Um, but so we, we did a classic New Heights. And uh, a few, the, the last community Sunday that we did, we, we had a conversation with those of you that were at the foundry. And we spoke for an hour. Y'all, y'all talked to us, gave us feedback, those of you that were there, and it was wonderful. What we heard was, come back to campus. And these were the people that were there. They were like, we, we want to you know, be back on campus more with more regularity. And, and we, we did try to let you know where we were going to be, what we were going to be doing. We, we mentioned it on Sunday mornings. We had it on the website, which, by the way, if you haven't been to the website, please go. Um, we spent a long time redoing it, and it is full of information, and we are constantly updating it. Uh, it's uh, newheights.cc. 
So uh, if you look for newheights.com or org, you won't find us. You'll find some place in like, I don't know, Arkansas or something. Uh, but uh, newheights.cc and, and check it out. You'll always know where we are because we will continue to be doing the service Sunday. That is the one thing we're going to hang on as we move forward. Every fifth Sunday. And you need, I know you all can count to five, so you can just count it out. Um, service Sunday was two weeks ago. Count to five. There's your next one. We will continue to do service Sunday because we believe, I believe passionately that, that serving others, that being the hands and feet of Christ is so integral to experiencing your faith. I mean, I don't know how else I can say it. Serving others teaches you more about Jesus Christ than most other things. Last weekend, um, a bunch of us from here, you, you know that we had the youth praise team and um, John Hinkabine, who's the youth pastor out at Riverside, came and, and uh, preached because a lot of us went down to Mexico, um, to Piedras Negras, to uh, the different orphanages that we work with down there and, and did a mission trip. And um, I, uh, I had the opportunity to go this time. I, ha- I went the first trip and I hadn't been back in a couple of years, so I was excited to go back and, and see what was going on down there. And, and I, I have to tell you, um, I've been on, I, I don't know how many mission trips, quite a few mission trips now, and I've been to um, South America to go on a mission trip, been to Mexico. I've done stuff around the States. I, I've, I've done different flavors of uh, mission work, and it never ceases to amaze me never ceases to amaze me um, the lack of faith I have in God. When I go to these places and I experience how powerful he is, it never ceases to floor me that, I mean, I'm a guy who has dedicated my life to serving God, to getting up on a weekly basis and to sharing about uh, the word of God and the gospel. And I love doing that. I love telling people about Jesus Christ. I, I I, I love that experience that it gives me. I consider myself to be a guy who really believes pretty strongly in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that he died and rose again so that I might have eternal life, so that I might be forgiven of my, that my chains are gone. My sin has been set free because of Christ. But every time I go and I serve and I, and I make myself vulnerable, I'm just amazed at, at how big God is. I'm amazed at how God moves through this world in so many different ways. And the faith of people in Mexico and in Guyana, South America, blows me away. I put together a video that is online, but we're going to show it right now about, um, about our experience over this weekend. If you would humor me for a moment.
coolest thing about this trip? I think just uh, getting to know new people and just serving people is awesome. Uh, being able to do my job and help people out, you know, that I know is making a big difference. Uh, probably just working alongside uh, the people here and just the experience that working, even though we don't always speak the same language, we're in the same way to do, and just working together to get it done for the sake of God's kingdom. this morning and see how joyful they are and how much they just love Jesus and really have a lot of joy in their hearts. I realize that, you know, it is our duty to help them in some destitute conditions, but there are a lot of instances that they may have more than we have back in San Antonio. Tell us why you come to Piedras Negras. I come to Piedras Negras because I need to be reminded that there is more to God's kingdom than what surrounds me in San Antonio. Um, I like to spend time with the people here. I love to worship with the people here. There's really nothing like leading people in worship with two languages going on at the same time. It's it's really pretty moving. for your faith uh, because it was a, a lesson to me and then I said it's now your turn to be the hands and feet of Christ uh, was that second part I think what, I, what I'm always amazed at and, and how God always moves in my life each time I get the chance to serve him in such a dramatic way is how fortunate I am to live where I do and how often I hide my faith. Even though I live in a land where it's completely okay not to, uh, not to hide it. It it amazes me how much I, I look at my daily life and realize that faith doesn't necessarily drive every moment of my day. 
it's amazing that I, I look at some of these men, this, the Pastor Hector who runs the Alleluia Church, uh, the faith that that man has to, to be at that church every morning at 5 o'clock to pray and to pray for us specifically and all of the people that come and, and serve there and, and to pray for his congregation and, and the faith that that man has to live where he does and to see God's vision. Man. Tell you more than that is this pastor by the name of Pastor Paulino. And I'm going to cry like a baby during this just to let you know. So get over it. I'm big enough. He is a a pastor who was serving a church in Piedras Negras and his story, it, it encompasses, it's a long story. I will give you the abbreviated version. It came across him that there was a need to be met there for, with kids who have special needs. In Mexico, uh, a child with special needs is pretty much tossed to the curb. Most third world countries, that's the case. They are outcasts. They are seen as something wrong. They are seen in a negative light. Parents don't want them. Uh, I, I know of an instance in Romania where there is a high suicide rate of fathers of kids with special needs because they feel like they have failed. I don't know if that's the case in Mexico, but I, I, I bet there's something similar. So there is a need for care of these children. And God, through a series of circumstances, led Pastor Paulino to open this special needs orphanage called Casa Bethesda. And if you've come here for any length of time, you know that I have a daughter with special needs. And so it hits closer to home probably for me than it does for some of you. But over the course of the three and a half, almost four years that Gracie has been alive, what I have found my faith changing into is something more of a faith of uh, reconciliation, of protection of people that can't protect themselves, regardless of it, if it, it's a special needs thing or something other. I, I long for people who, who are oppressed to know the salvation of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I go into this place and see Pastor Paulino, who is a gentle man, a, a man of such great faith. He never gets a vacation. He has um, how many, Cindy, kids is it now? Do you know, Daryl or Stacey, do you all remember how many it is? 20-something kids ranging from um, a, a little baby all the way up to a 40-year-old degrees of special needsness um, all the way from people who um, are incontinent, who can't feed themselves, who can't get out of bed, who don't speak, um, to some who can walk and feed themselves and live kind of a normal life. It's a wide variety of things there. So I knew that we were going there. I knew that we would be going to Casa Bethesda to take a lot of supplies, uh, laundry detergent, um, soap, different things that he needs there. By the way, the the state, uh, the government there really could care less about kids with special needs also. 
And so he gets very little, if any, help from the Mexican government. And, and I knew the question would come, you know, do you want to go with us? I'd never been there. Um, we've been there quite a few times. Uh, but I've never been there. The last trip that Daryl went on, he went over there with his worship team and they played music and um, the kids just loved it. And so Daryl and Stacy were going back and they were going to be uh, playing music again for the kids. And, and I was invited to go along. I had been tiling a shower all day, um, something I'd never done before. And I was learning how to use the wet saw. And I was in a little shower with Daryl's little sister um, and her husband, and it was, it was awkward for a little bit, but then we got over it and, and just retiling. And so I've taken a shower with Daryl's sister, um, or is that, or been in a shower with Daryl's sister, I guess. And, and so I, I kind of wanted to finish the shower cause we hadn't finished, but then I also realized that I didn't really want to go and see it because I, I was told that it will floor you to go over there. And I was scared to go. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to get that raw. Um, but I, I guess that fear weighed with the fear of Daryl making fun of me for the rest of the trip probably pushed me to go. Um, so I, I decided to jump in the Tahoe and, and drive over to Casa Bethesda. And, and we get there, and I... And I I really am kind of standoffish and I don't want to engage because I know if I do, I'm going to break down. And so I'm kind of just hanging back a little bit. And, and Daryl walks in after everybody because Daryl always has to make an entrance. And he walks in through the, ga- <laughs> through the gate with his guitar. And I've seriously, I've never seen anyone this excited to see Daryl in my life. Um, and Stacy will agree, I'm sure. This little girl went absolutely nuts when she saw Daryl walk through with his guitar. So we come in, start playing music outside. There's little boy swinging. He was a big boy, actually, swinging. That's all he did. He probably had autism. It's on a big swings back and forth and back and forth. Daryl sets up on a little stool, starts playing songs, and he brought these song sheets in both English and Spanish. And, uh, you know, we're trying to sing through the Spanish and just and butchering it, but they don't know anyway. And they're just loving it, just loving it. There's this little girl who was in a wheelchair and... Wheelchair, wheelchair looked just like Gracie's wheelchair. Pushed her up. She sat there just mesmerized, clapping. Just a peaceful moment. And I had to walk away. So they finished playing music in there, and, and, and then Daryl and Stacy come in, and this girl, Elizabeth, come in and they're going to start walking through the hallways to the rooms to see some of the kids who can't come out because they can't get out of bed. And they go in and they start playing uh, songs. And I, I walked around all weekend long with a little flip camera, one of those little flip video cameras, which is what I filmed all of that with. And, and I was filming stuff at Casa Bethesda and filmed some of their, um, the worship that they did. And when I went in there, I, I 
I hit record, but I, but I held the, the lens to my leg. I, I didn't feel like I could film anything, but I wanted to hear the music. Unfortunately, I was singing too, so you hear me more than you do Stacey and Daryl. So I, I pretty much, that's why I didn't make the cut. Um, it got trashed. But the songs that they sang were When I Survey the Wonders Cross. And then what was the other one that... Meet with me. Um, meet with me. Uh, if if these tears can bring you, what is it? If these tears, let it be. Yeah, I didn't think it was meet with me. What, how does that go, Daryl? If these tears can bring you, if this pain can, you're the worst. If this pain can make your glory known, let it be. Yeah. First time we sang that song in here, I lost it. I started crying. I sit up front, so none of y'all get to see it anyway. But I, I just, the, the words, if, if in pain you're made great, let it be. If these tears can, can bring you, let it be. And I'm singing this song, and there's these two other girls that are on the outside of the room. And they're both in wheelchairs. And one of them was so excited, and every now and then she'd let out just this happy squeak. Just, ah! And it was awesome. I mean, she was just loving it just so happy to be there and she was excited and this other girl was very quiet but you could tell excited too and we're singing that song and it came to a point where and you can hear it in the recording that I just start kind of breaking down so I have to walk out of the room but I I didn't want to leave I wanted to just be in that moment And, and and so I'm standing there and this other little girl the quiet one reaches her hand to me I'm a germphobe. Y'all know this. Swine flu and all that stuff. And, you know, we're in Mexico. And, you know, I'm sure it's not the cleanest because we just brought the cleaning supplies to them. All this runs through my mind quickly. I know. I'm a flawed individual. Get over it. But I reach my hand out to her. She grabs it. And she stares at me. The rest of the song just stares at me. And I was texting with Jenna, and I, and I think I sent her a text. I said, we're at Casa Bethesda right now, and, and I'm about to lose it. She texts back, good or bad? Um, both. I, I think my experience with that girl at that moment, singing that song, let it be, was one of those experiences that you get to have with God that are so real and raw. It was like I was holding the hand of God. And for that little girl, maybe I was the hand of God. It was so powerful that it just shook me to my core. And it made me think, how am I living my life on a normal day-to-day basis that affects people the same way? I live my life in San Antonio every day and encounter people all the time. Why Why don't I have those same kinds of moments? Yeah, we were tired. Yes, we were in Mexico. Yes, Daryl was singing and it was a special needs orphanage that just was raw and real and wonderful and emotional and the spirit was moving and so it was a special time but why isn't that happening every day of my life 
Why don't I have these wonderful encounters with everyone I come face to face with? God is here. The Spirit moves. I don't need Daryl to follow me around like a minstrel with a guitar. We should try that, so that'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? (laughs) I have my own band. I need some traveling music, Daryl. Why don't those things happen on a day-to-day basis? Where is this passion of faith in my life? I believe in Jesus Christ. Why isn't it just exuding out of me except on Sunday morning or a mission trip? You know, the W5 project was supposed to teach us once again what it means to worship God. It's not just Sunday morning. It's every single day. And when we started it, we made a decision in our office that if we we're going to go through it and if we come out of it with 12 people that are on fire for Jesus Christ and are moving forward, great. If we lose everybody but 12 people, that's okay. Jesus only had 12 too. But we need to have that passion and that fire that burns so great as Jeremiah says in my chest. I can no longer hold it in. The people down there have it. Pastor Hector, that dude is rolling in it. You go to that church and there wasn't a single person. I mean, hands were up and you look at the person, you're like, that guy does not look like a hand-raising guy. You know how we like stereotype? Y'all don't? Okay, just me and you apparently. Awesome. Thank you. We'll talk after this. We'll stereotype the rest of them. They're liars. You look at somebody and you pretty much say, that person is this kind of person. Look at this one guy who is just all out, hands up, worshiping, even though he couldn't understand what Daryl and Stacy were singing. He was in it. He was worshiping God. I wonder, whoa. I mean, I'm not necessarily the hand-raising type. Okay, I get it. Not all of us are that way. I'm not a holy roller. I'm not going to run up and down the aisles every Sunday fall on my face prostate. But but where's the passion in my life that on a day-to-day basis outside of worship that I can encounter God and the people that he places before me? In John chapter 12, verse 41, lots of people have been coming to Jesus by this time in his ministry and starting to believe in him and, and seeing the power and just the miraculous things that Christ has been doing, but not all of them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he made this prediction. The prediction is right above that. Because he was given a vision of the Messiah's glory. Many people, including some of the Jewish leaders, believed in him, but they wouldn't admit to it because of their fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. When I read that verse in light of the W5 project, it was convicting to me because I think a lot of times I want human praise more than I do the praise of God. I I think a lot of times in my life I am looking more to what the world thinks about me than I am to what God thinks about me. I I, I want to have this encounter and have someone like me and appreciate me. I I, I calculate my words and the things that I say to someone, not necessarily in a way that they might see Christ or hear the voice of God, but maybe necessarily that I may come out better for the conversation. 
I'm like those people who believed in Jesus sometimes, but I'm afraid of the consequences of what happens if I start becoming one of those people who are so passionate about Jesus Christ that you can't have a conversation with me without the name of God appearing. I think we live in a world, I think we live in a society that is filled with those types of believers. And maybe it took me going to Mexico and seeing a world where it's totally different for me to realize that. Are, are you one of those believers in Jesus Christ that, that walks around and, and, and maybe you come to worship on Sunday mornings and that is wonderful and, and part of being a member of the body of Christ. Maybe, maybe you pray and have a prayer life or, or do a quiet time, but then you go to work and, and it's work, Michael. And you go home and it's home, Michael. You go to church and it's church, Michael. You separate your life into different parts and compartments. And you say, God, you're only allowed right here at this time, not the rest of my life, because that's not my faith life. This is. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? When we watched that uh, Rob Bell video a long time ago, he, one of the things he said is, in Jesus' day, there was not a word for spiritual. There wasn't. So somebody wouldn't have gone up to Jesus and say, how's your spiritual life? Because that question would have just been absolutely wrong. Because his life was spiritual. Paul's life was spiritual. Everything he did was in his spiritual life. Everything he did was about his life of faith. We're moving forward from the W5 project and we're getting back into a cycle where we will be here four days doing the services as normal. There will be a little minor tweaks here and there. We may focus a little heavier on worship one day, a little heavier on teaching one day, but we'll get back into doing series where you can know that this will be a series on this subject or this topic or whatever. We're going to fall back kind of into that little pattern with the exception of service Sunday, continuing to leave campus every fifth Sunday and being the hands and feet of Christ somewhere in our community. But what I don't want to lose from moving beyond this, I don't know, awakening, the great awakening too. I don't want to lose the sense that your entire life is a life with God. That your entire life is a life of worship. That everything you do, regardless of what it is, can be for the glory of God. If you let it. Whatever it is. If it's victories in your life, if it's struggles in your life, if it's pain in your life, you can let it be for His glory. So I guess that's appropriate. Let it be. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we don't always understand how you move in our life and where you move in our life. But God, we know you do. Maybe there are some of us that question that right now, Lord, and just answer them. Bring them your vision and knowledge and 
your peace. God, I pray that as we move forward from this room, that we wouldn't leave you here. That you would come with us. That you would be with us when we lay our heads down in the evening. And you would be with us when we rise in the morning. And you would continue to be with us each and every moment of the day. That we would know your presence. That we would feel your presence, God. And that we would allow your presence to flow from us. That you would get glory. Lord, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for uh, the experiment of W5 and, um, and what it was this summer. It, it really taught us some things. Um, I know that. It taught me a lot uh, this summer. And um, it, you are the 11 o'clock crowd, so you're used to putting your chairs up. And we'd appreciate it if you would do that. And um, if, you, if you want to stay around and carry a pumpkin out, they're from the pumpkin patch. We borrowed them this morning. Um, uh, do that. Or, or you can purchase it out there as well. And when you're leaving... Um, please leave out these doors. There's something going on in the parlor right now. So just go out the, the doors, the glass doors over here. See you next week.